Hey, I mean, I run this college, Equippers College uh, in Auckland. It's kind of, it's about 111 students, um, but they kind of, interesting, they kind of, oh, I, keep, I went back. Oh, we're going all, uh, <laughs> now I'll try. That's it. So they're kind of 75% under 25, 50% Pacifica, 25% Māori. But one of the things we do is every day we start with praise and worship and generally, and, and generally some kind of ministry. Uh, and, and, like it's, and it's like sometime during the year someone's going to uh, have their moment with, with God. Uh, and, and so I just I noticed last night there was a suggestion from one of the prophetic guys like, oh, just respond. And I, I just want to encourage that. Like there's an opportunity Every session, there's going to be an opportunity for ministry, and it's like, well, we just like encourage these students, like they do it every day, and say, even if there's five sessions, like if you're up here for all five sessions, hallelujah, go after everything that God's got for you this weekend, and that's what we do with um, college. It's like, just go after God, and so um, I just want to encourage that. Again, there'll be an opportunity for prayer and ministry, but um Today is, is an interesting day in the Easter, the Saturday, it's kind of the in-between time, and I guess the original one, it's kind of like waiting and grief, but now it's this funny thing because we know how the story ends, and so it's this in-between, both looking back, what has been, and looking forward to, to what is, and, and so I want to talk about a, a thing of this kind of sitting in that in-between. It's, I love these times when it, I think it's a time for reappraisal. It's kind of like that, that time between Christmas and kind of mid-January, you know, when it's everything, nothing. You kind of think about last year, think about this year, and what do people do? They make New Year's resolutions. It never lasts, but it's the idea that it's a great kind of window to stop and to think about things. And, and this morning, I feel like it's a great opportunity to kind of reappraise things. And, and to reappraise, what am I doing? Where am I going? What am I investing time in? What am I doing in life? And um, show my age, but there was this book in the 1980s written by Tony Campolo as a Christian sociologist. It's called Who Switched the Price Tags? And, and it's this idea, um, this kind of thesis of imagine someone going into a department store and someone had changed all the price tags. And you might think, oh, great, you get all these deals. But that's assuming you know the real value. If you didn't, it, well, his point is this. You would take your hard-earned resources and be investing it in things that really were of no value because the price tag's wrong. And on the other hand, you would be walking past things that were of real value, but you would be ignoring them because the price tag suggested to you they weren't. And, and his argument as a sociologist, we live in a world like that where the price tags are mixed up and we end up putting a lot of time in resource into things that don't really have value and we end up not investing things, time, energy, resources and things that do have value. And, and part of this kind of Saturday of Easter is to reappraise, man, what's really of value in my life? What do I really um, want to invest in? And kind of there's this biblical concept, you know, Paul talks about this in a large house, there are articles not only of gold and silver, but also of wood, hay and, wood and clay. Some are for special purpose, some for common. Now, in our house, yeah, we have, a, we have rubbish tins, we have toilet cleaners, toilet brushes, we have rags. Everyone needs them, but they're just, they're not special, right? You don't, they're not gold-plated, they're not crystal, diamond top, whatever, they're just there. You need them, but, but then we have a china cabinet, you know, and then the china cabinet is the dining set that Chris.
Christine's grandmother gave to us at our wedding day. And it's like every year at Christmas, do you want to get the special plates out? And it's like, oh, God, bring them out carefully. And they're not allowed to go in the dishwasher and they've got to be hand washed and put away. And then they're put away till next Christmas. And, they, and it's like, and that's how houses work. And it's like, I think we've broken one plate in 33 years. So the rest have survived because it's like you treat, you, you don't treat them. It's not, and you need everything. But some things in our life are just, they're just there. You just got to do them because that's life. But some things are really special and you want to treat them carefully and you want to look after them and you, and you don't want to disrespect them. And treat them as common, and uh, and I feel like that's with God. Um, late last year, I have, there's this little lady in Christchurch that often sends me little prophetic words, and she sent me this word. Just said your appraisal of something isn't quite accurate. I was like, oh okay, I'll rethink some stuff. I must be viewing something wrong. And then two days later, she sent me another word, reappraise again. It's like, man, God's really on my case about something. <laughs> and it's like interesting. She uses that word twice. Maybe I should look it up, see what it actually means. And when I looked it up, it said this, the act of estimating or judging the nature or the value of something. I thought, oh, yeah, well, after, we'd been married, after we'd been married about 25 years, Christine got her rings reappraised. It's, it's actually a calculation of value. And it's like we often like we want to reprioritize, we want to reevaluate, but it's like, no, no, back up the truck. That's the second. The first step is a reappraisal of value. And then the decision about allocation of time follows naturally from a reassessment of value. And so we are like, oh, and even when I thought the word re-evaluate has, yeah, rethink the value of certain things. We like, we jump to, oh, resolution, commitment. No, reappraise. And so this morning, I want us to, I want to invite you to reappraise rethink the value of certain things in your world because that will then lead to decisions about then where I invest time and resources. I'm convinced that I'm investing, I'm, I'm taking due care of the special things in my world. There's stuff I all got to do, but I've, I've, I'm looking after the things that are of real value. Um, so again, showing my age, a guy, Tom Marshall, who was a writer, Christian writer back in the 80s, he, he wrote this book and he said this. I, I love this thought. Firstly, when I recognize the value of people, I become aware of how incredibly rich my life is because I'm surrounded and interpenetrated by so many worthy and valuable men and women. My life acquires thereby a sense of meaning and significance. If I do not give respect or honor, or worse, if I dishonor people, I impoverish my own life. I demean its significance because I act as if it relates to worthless people. When I, when I reappraise things in my world and I think, man, this is incredible, these people are incredible, this family, these kids, this spouse, this church, then, then I'm enriched. I feel like I'm, my life is rich. The more I, the more I look down and treat as common valuable things in the world, the more that I feel impoverished. So it's like, a re this is a great time to reappraise and, and to come out of here going, man, there are some, my life is a blessed life because I get to invest in some really precious things in my world and some really significant people. And, and Jesus, as a, as a teacher of how to do human life well, picked up these things. So Sermon on the Mount, he has three different images of this. So the idea of treasure is like, 
Don't store up treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in, but store up treasures in heaven. It's like you'd, you'd want to be putting, you'd want to be investing the best of what you have in things that really last, eh? And I love the final conclusion where your treasure is your heart will be. And it's like as a, as a teacher of human flourishing, it's like that one sentence I think is worth the whole Bible as a key of wisdom. It's like, don't like where you put your it's kind of counterintuitive it's like rather than think I'll manage where my heart is no where you invest the best of who you are your heart follows so here's a secret to human flourishing put your time put your energy put your money into the things that you know are really important and your heart will follow that and so that's why it's important to reappraise and make decisions. No, this is what's really valuable. I loved your talk about the parenting um, thing that you're doing because it's like, oh no, I'm, I'm reappraising the value of the investment. And so, and then my heart will follow that when, I, when I'm doing that. He, Jesus goes on to a second image about um, light. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. If your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. It's like what I focus on will either fill my being with light or fill it with darkness. And it's like I need to make some choices. What am I, I need to reappraise what am I focused on because what I'm focusing on will be affecting the state of my heart. And I could easily get on focused on stuff that after a certain time when I look inside, it's a bit dark in there. Because I've just been focused on stuff that's not really important and not really of God. And then he has a third image that, you know, no one can serve two masters. You'll either hate the one and love the other or you'll be devoted to one and despise the other. And it's like, again, it's like, man, you know, I'm trying to get ahead in my career, but then I've got to be a taxi service to take the kids. And, and I end up resenting and despising the demands of the kids because they're into, it's like, oh, I, get it. I need to get, who am I serving and who am I using? Am I using, uh, you know, finance to provide and serve my family or, uh, or am I serving this career and my family are an interruption to it? It's like, man, I want to be, be real clear. What am I using and what am I serving? And I'm using this to serve this thing. And it's like, oh, I want to, I don't, I don't use God to serve the cause of money. No, I use my money to serve the cause of God, to, cause, to serve the cause of my family, to serve the cause of ministry. I want to get that right. And so this is a great day to reappraise. Where's my treasure? Where's my focus? Who am I serving and what am I using? And it's like, ah. Oh, just to let the presence of God, like, because God wants to see, I believe God wants to set you up for flourishing, for success. And so this is a great day to think, man, am I positioning my life? And there was a prophetic challenge to me at the end of the last year. Hey, you need to reappraise some stuff because you're not quite putting the right value on some right things in your world. And so uh, there's, a, there's a famous saying, no one's really sure where it came from. But this is, again, pop kind of, Leadership, self-help, growth stuff. Some people reach the top of the ladder only to find it's leaning against the wrong wall. You can spend a lot of time climbing and like climb. I finally got to the top and look around and go, oh, I sh- should have been over there. Like I got to the top of my, the ladder of my uh, career, but oh, my marriage fell apart. My kids, are, don't, they resent me. My health is gone. It's like, what am I doing? 
Uh, a more famous related quote from Stephen Covey's a leadership guru. If the ladder is not leaning against the right wall, every step we take just gets us to the wrong place faster. Sometimes the biggest, fastest way forward is actually climb down off the ladder and bring the ladder over here and go, actually, I've reappraised. Putting the ladder here, actually, this is what's important. This is what I'm going to invest in. This is what I want to advance in. And today's a great day to reappraise in light as we sit between Easter Friday and Good Sunday. Other way around. Good Friday, Easter Sunday. One of those. It was a long night. Um, but, um, uh, but it's like, oh, to, to rethink that God wants you to do life well and to rethink about that. Um, when I was 18, I, I, we grew up, Christine and I both grew up in Taranaki. I went to university in Auckland to study psychology. And again, as a young 18-year-old who knows everything about life, I was intrigued reading about human development and about midlife crises. And as an 18-year-old, it's like, so these guys spend 25 years working hard, selling their soul for a career. Then they wake up and realize it's costing their marriage. And it's like, why would you do that? When, you, when you're 18, it all makes sense, eh? But then life gets busy. But I, I just have this distinct memory of as a university student, 18-year-old, walking into this Christian bookstore in downtown Auckland and, and uh, picking and this kind of tier of books, picking up this book of quotes and opening it and reading this quote. And it was by Rudyard Kipling, who is a British author, who he was speaking to the graduating class of one of the premier American universities. This is, they've just, you know, the super rich, influential kids just got their great degree. They're about to go off and crush life and do well and have a great career. And this is what he said to them. Do not care overly much for wealth or power or fame, or one day you will meet someone who cares for none of these things and you will realize how poor you have become. And I remember as an 18-year-old, like, I don't want to be that guy that spends my whole life going after something and one day wakes up and thinks, I've, I've achieved nothing important. I don't want to be that guy. And I've made lots of mistakes in life and, this, and still being challenged prophetically to a prayer praise, but this is kind of like a pillar, like, I want to try and do this well. I want to put value on the things that are really valuable. And I want to give my life. And I've, I sense there's a great opportunity today. God's always inviting us to reappraise so that we succeed in life at the things that we're, we don't end up one day standing there going, I've spent a whole lot of time climbing a ladder against the wrong wall. And so, um, yeah, uh, if you think about this, like, Okay, that's all pop psychology. What is the Bible? The Bible actually has a term for this. It's called honour. It's not a word that we use a lot in New Zealand um, context, but the word honour, just this, the amount at which something is valued, the price of the value. To honour is to place a high value on. To dishonour, to cons considered relatively unimportant, insignificant of things that do not elicit special admiration or attention. So the things we treat as common, we dishonour, held in less esteem, think lightly of contempt. The Bible says there are certain things that you want to honour i.e. put value on, treat with respect, don't treat as common. And so I just want to add, you could treat this as a bit of a medical checkup if you like. I just want to click through a whole lot of things that the Bible says are worthy of honor. And it's like, 
oh, am I putting the appropriate value on these things? Because this is like the maker's handbook for how to succeed in life. Put value on these things. These are like the china cabinet in your home. Don't treat them like the, uh, the cleaning cabinet. Treat these like the china cabinet. Is that all right? So just click through some things. So here's some things. Number one, not surprisingly, honor the Lord. And with your wealth, with the first fruits of your crops. And so in uh, offering talks, everyone jumps to the second part. about. But the first part is this, honor the Lord. And again, the biblical psychology of Jesus, put your money and your heart will follow. That's why we do it. Not that Jesus needs our money, but for, it's a human psychology that we need to give because our heart's going to follow and our heart's going to value where we've invested. And it's like, oh, I want to make sure that I'm treating my relationship with God as a very high value. I want to honor God. I want to treat like he's incredibly valued. Here's another one that's a bit countercultural, unless you're from a Māori or Pacifica background. Honor your father and mother. It's the first commandment uh, that has a promise, and it's the bridging commandment between the commandments to God and human. And again, it's like for us Pākehā, Pālangīs, it's like, what? but for other cultures to go, no, no, this is actually a real thing that you that you put appropriate respect to your parents and the elderly, older people in your world. Um, Christine and I are both, one of the challenges of our life is juggling care for two aging mothers. For us, this is really important. It's a thing that we, we put value on that. They're not an annoyance, they're not an interruption. This is a biblical principle that I show respect for this. Um, and again, you know, I teach a lot of young, I come from a background, my, my dad was in and out of jail when I was a little, left, so raised with a solo mom. And, and so to learn what does it mean, you know, to forgive my dad, to, to love my dad, to honour my dad, but to know till the day he died I could never trust him. But for me, I need to learn what does it mean to honour my parents. And I mean, we could have a lot of discussion about that if you want. But we would. Another one, marriage should be honoured by all. Not, yeah, my marriage, but marriages and the marriages of our community. We don't joke about them. We don't, we don't mock kind of uh, crude jokes. We don't uh, f- flirt with people. That we, just, we just honor marriage. Marriage is, marriage is precious. We pr- try and protect the marriages of our community. We try and invest in the marriages of our community. And the marriage bed kept pure. We, we kind of honor sexuality. And, 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 we want, and we want that protected as something special in our world. It's like, oh, man, so I want to honour God. I want to honour father and mother. I want to honour marriage. He, there's a set of proverbs, um, which is wisdom stuff, that I love that basically says your character is really important. <laughs> and I, I love this proverb. A kind-hearted woman gains honour but ruthless men gain only wealth. It's like, you would be really dumb, eh, to sell your soul just to make a quick buck. You would be, you would be foolish to compromise your integrity to close a deal. You would be foolish to, to uh, manipulate people just for the sake of some profit. Like, Proverbs is like, that's obvious, eh? But it's not obvious. It's like, no, actually, my character is something I need to treat as of value. The choices that I make around my character are important. 
Uh, you know, and there's a set of these. Humility is the fear of the Lord. It's wages are riches and honor. No, living in humility, living in kindness. It's to one's honor to avoid strife, being a peacemaker. My character is actually a significant thing that I want to make sure I'm investing time and decisions. I wouldn't want to treat it as common, my character, for the sake of something else. Uh, and, and whoever pursues righteousness and love finds life, prosperity, and honor. No, being a kind person, being a patient person, being a peacemaking person, being a person of love, that's putting the ladder against the right wall. I wouldn't be one at someone who's sold out on all of that just to climb the ladder of making a quick buck. It's like, oh, I'd want to reappraise the importance of the character decisions. Here's one that's a bit controversial, and I want to spend a bit of time unpacking it. There's this incident where Jesus goes to his hometown, and, and, and in, the, in Mark it says he cannot perform any miracles. Matthew says he, he, could, he wouldn't do many, he would only do a few. And he's amazed at their unbelief. And the issue is like, they don't honor him. They're like, oh, we know him. That's just Jesus. We knew him when he was little. He's just the carpenter's son. And, and Jesus' response is this. And they were offended. Jesus said, a prophet is not without honor except in his own town and in his own home. And it's like, Jesus like, because you didn't honor the gift on my life, you closed the door to your miracle. Do you get that? Honor wasn't about what Jesus needed. Honor was them putting value on the gift on his life. You are the Messiah. You are a prophet. You are a healer. And, and, and putting value, but they treated it as common. Now, there's a whole lot of crazy stuff around honor in churches. So you've got all the big penty churches and prosperity churches with the pastors driving the Harleys and dripping in gold and stuff and call me this and defer and all that kind of stuff. And, it's like, and so it's like, ah, oh, we don't want to do that. But then we do the pendulum swing the other way and we think, oh, we're not going to be, we're just going to, ah, oh, that's just Sam and Jen, you know, and, and ha-ha, and we'll mock and we'll laugh and stuff. And, and um, I don't, I hope that's not inappropriate. I remember a few years ago, I was speaking at the Vineyard National Conference, which is at Grace Vineyard, and I just felt the Lord say, and it was the time when Lloyd Rankin was announcing stepping down as national leader, and I felt the Lord say, oh, you need to bring them up the front and honor them, and, and so I don't know what we're quite going to do, but I brought them up, and he just started weeping, and I was quite a bit shocked. I was like, what, what was that about? And he was like, oh, we don't, we don't kind of do that. We treat it as a bit of a joke, and, and it's like, oh, we wouldn't, in reaction to that ugly side, we wouldn't want to do a pendulum swing. We'd want to find a, and what I love, I feel like in our church, we've found a middle ground, which is this. We just want adult to adult relationships. We're all human. We're all just people doing life, but we honor the gift on people's lives because that opens me when I value the gift. Like I said, when I, when I value the gift I see when you're leading worship and then I receive out of your spirit, I value the gift on people's lives. And it's like, oh, we wouldn't want to get that wrong with this typical Kiwi egalitarian joking, tall poppy. Oh, we don't want Sam getting a big head. Let's just mock him a bit. It's like, oh, no, we'd want to. We all want human relationships. We're all adult to adult relationships. We don't defer to a person, but we put value on a gift. 
Does that make sense? Okay. Um, keep going. Okay. And and so and then and it's interesting. So there's a sense. Yeah, I, we we're just brothers and sisters. We don't put people on a pedestal. Uh, but then I want to receive from the gift. Well, I believe God graces people. I want to receive from the gift. And then, and then uh, Paul takes it kind of another level. The elders who direct the affairs of the church well are worthy of double honor, especially those workers preaching and teaching. So I was like, oh, yes, yeah, so I want to I respect the gift. But because I honor God and I understand God's program for advancing his kingdom, which I respect, is to plant and grow churches. I also, uh, so I put value on church. Then I also want to kind of honor people who actually feel called to invest a lot of their time and energy in that. And again, that's a bit, um, I don't know, you know, we're in a funny cultural moment around that kind of stuff. And, I, and again, there's, I feel like there's an invitation just to reappraise. Um, I don't know if you trust me yet, but um, so this, I hope, I hope this doesn't create something that Sam's got to clean up afterwards. <laughs> now he's worried. But I had a funny experience. <laughs> Sam puts the iPad down. All right, let's get ready. <laughs> Music team, get ready. Come up. Um, we... Um, we, Christine and I drove down from Auckland on um, Thursday night, and we stayed in Taupo uh, and then drove the rest of the way down here. And f- Thursday night, I find myself wide awake at half past three in the morning staring at the ceiling, and it's like, oh, okay, maybe I should be thinking or praying about this camp or something, and nothing's coming. And then, and then after a while, because it was like, this is weird, and it's like, God, is there something you want to tell me about this camp? And I felt God say really clearly and really strongly, Honour the leadership. Yeah, what's that about? Like God woke me up at 3.30 in the morning to say, honour the leadership. Wow. And that's, uh, that's these guys, it's the Buxtons, it's others. And it's not about putting people on a pedestal, it's honouring the grace and, and it's honouring the commitment and the service. And I, uh, I don't particularly know what that's about, but I felt God really strongly say, honor the leadership. And again, when I was thinking, it's funny words, it's like honoring. And again, as Kiwis, we, um, let me unpack this a bit. There's a set of gifts in um, Romans chapter 12 about spiritual gifts. And I often get people, you know, like gift of mercy, gift of encouragement, gift of leadership. Often when I teach this stuff, I'll say, oh, who thinks, you know, let's identify. Who's got the gift of prophecy? And people put their hand up. Who's got the gift of encouragement? Yeah. Who's got the gift of serving? Yeah. Kiwi context. There's one gift no one will put their hand up for. Who's got the gift of leadership? Because we have this weird cultural thing. And to go, it's a grace and it's a calling. And people who do that well is like, oh, we want to put weight on. So to honor is first of all to recognize value and then it's to put our weight behind it. And, um, and so I just want to invite you to reappraise that. And, I'm, you know, I've known these guys for a long time. I was there the two days after they felt called to leave 
what they're doing and this kind of possum in the spotlights look like, what are we going to do? And they're wrestling with there. And I've been on the phone when he struggled with leadership things. I'm like, but what I'd like to do is I'd like to just pray, actually, and I believe something's going to break. Um, and again, we're all adult to adult. We're just normal people. But there's a spiritual principle that we're not very good at in New Zealand of honouring leadership. And I feel God really strongly wants to go honour the leadership. I don't know why Sam's in tears and Luke's looking a bit teary-eyed, but, but I know God said do this. So I'm just going to pray. God, I... Uh, I don't even know. God, we stand. And maybe you want to just reach your hand out towards Sam and Jean or Luke or whatever and just... Um, Who's going to break? God, we come to break something that in the Spirit stands against leadership in, in this church and leadership in churches. We, we break any words that have been spoken against these guys, against this church. God, and I invite you to release your anointing afresh on the leadership of this church, that you are people of honor and we honor you and we respect the grace on your life and we respect your character to serve well in this role. And right now I declare every, every strategy of the enemy is broken over these things and honor is released. And this is going to be a church where we honour leadership and we honour grace and we honour hearts to serve. I want to declare, Sam, a new day of confidence and boldness in your leadership. Uh, for you guys, the Buxtons, for fruitfulness, for destiny and purpose. And as a church, we stand and put a hedge around this place and we kind of say to the enemy, how dare you attack the grace and the character of people. And we know that heaven honours the leadership here today. God, I pray for just a sense of renewal for Luke and his wife, uh, for Sam and Jen, for others in the leadership. You guys do well. You guys are very good leaders. And we honour you. We value what you're doing. And we declare success over what you're doing. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for jumping up and doing that. I don't know, maybe that's what the weekend was about. Well, that was one part, we'll carry on. But uh, yeah, in light of that, I've changed the message that I was going to do today. You can probably sit down and get you back in a minute. I like that we can do that. Sometimes, yeah, we don't do that. Anyway. Um, yeah. So, yeah, anyway. There's some other things of honour. So we honour God. We honour our parents. We honour marriage. Uh, we honour our character. 
Um, we honor ministry and grace gifts because then we receive from them. Um, I love this, honor God with your bodies. And so it's kind of second order. Because I honor God, I put value on my body because it's a vessel by which I show honor to God. The context is around sexuality, but it's also just physical care and stuff. It's like, oh, I want to treat this body with some respect. And particularly um, my expression of sexuality. Show proper respect to everyone. Love the family of believers. Fear God. Honor the emperor. Pretty surprising in an oppressive Roman Empire that Paul, that Peter's like, hey, put proper respect on um, just government and order. We've seen some stuff in the states of what happens when people lose respect. For you, you critique individuals, but you don't want to undermine institutions, if you like, or order. Be devoted to one another and love. And love, honor one another. Oh, we're actually called to honor everyone. Why? Because we honor God and everyone's made in the image of God. So I honor you. We want to honor people. We want to treat people well. That's why we serve one another in love, humbly in love, because we honor people, because they're made in the image of God. We want to be a church where we honor people. So, ah. And I love there's a particular focus. Whoever oppresses the poor shows contempt for their maker. Whoever is kind to the needy honors God. You honor God by particularly honoring the people that the world would least recognize as worthy of honor. It's part of our countercultural kingdom. Oh, no, we honor these people because they are made in the image of God. They're not very high on those ladders that our world says is important, but on God's ladder. No, that's my child. It's my son or daughter, and I'll treat them with honor. We're a, we're a place that treats people with honor. And so I love this idea, like, we want to make sure this time of the year, this Saturday, we get the price tags right. We make sure we're putting the right value on the different parts of our life. And I, I just want to speak to two issues before we finish. Number one is this, the place of God. Mark Twain, famous quote, the two most important days in your life are the day you were born and the day you find out why. And the, and the Bible tells us that second one, Paul says this, from one man, this is a speech that Paul makes in Acts, from one man he made all the nations that they should inhabit the whole earth. He marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of this land. Verse 27, God did this so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him. It's like, do you know what? You can be really successful with money, with career, all kinds of things. The reason you're on this earth, the most important thing, is that one day you would go, God, if you're there, would you show me? And it's like, oh, I want to make sure that God, that I, like, that's a win. You may have failed in a whole lot of stuff in life, you may have struggled, you may have made a lot of mistakes. At the end of the day, you weren't like, but I reached out and connected with God. God goes, your life has been a success. You could make a lot of money. You could be famous. You can do a whole lot of stuff and never have put the most important thing first. And so it's like, oh, I want to read. And this is what's important for the people in my world and that we get to share that, that, that they would know the most important thing, why they're on this earth is that one day they would reach out and find God. And again, Ecclesiastes, remember your creator in the days of your youth. And I love this again, the wisdom, the fear of the Lord. It's not being scared of God, it's acknowledging him is the beginning of wisdom. It's like, this is the first thing. 
before you think about career and it's like just find God. Just know God. That's the most important thing. So it's like if I'm going to get the price tags right, the first thing is whatever anyone else says about my life, I've, I've reached out for God. Then your life's a win. But I want to finish on something else. Maybe I could get you back if that's right now. Is around, there's, there's, there's another category of honour. And again, us as Kiwis pretty much find this impossible to hear. It's like water off a duck's back. And, and Luke 15 is the story of the prodigal son. And it's a wonderful story of the gospel. And we feel like this is the gospel. Like this is the, this is the unbelievable grace of God. While he was a long way off, his father saw him, filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. It's like for us, that's the good news. But on a t- it actually goes to another level that is all pretty much impossible for Kiwis to hear, which is this. The father said to him, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger, sandals on his feet, bring the fattened calf and kill it. So it's like the day before he's in a pig pen, despised, rejected, alone. Suddenly he's like, I'm standing and there's a party being thrown in my honour and I'm clothed in the best and I'm and like, and that's actually the second half of the encounter. Oh. So do you know the last category? Do you know the last person to honour? It's you. <laughs> it's actually you. That God honours you. That like that God honors you. We're not very good at hearing that. I actually heard, I'm not sure how much I've developed this, but the first that planted the seed in my mind was one of the John Wimber conferences in the 80s in New Zealand. And he said, you know, they've been praying and they're like, something odd about this country, New Zealand. It's like, so I can't remember what he said and what I've expanded on, but it's like, who has a national color of black? Like we, Edmund Hillary is, yeah, I, yeah, I just climbed the highest mountain, but I'm a beekeeper in the Pukekohe. It's like, like, who has a national color of black? Seriously. And, and if you choose a national animal, you choose a lion or an eagle or a, you don't choose a kind of semi-blind flightless thing that lives in holes in the ground. And we have this romantic idea of Kiwis. No, no, we, I took our granddaughter to the Kiwi house in Christchurch. It's like you walk in the dark and you hear this rustling in the leaf litter and you go, oh, that's our national symbol over there, some there somewhere. So there's a good side of New Zealand culture, the kind of understated, just do it, not flashy. There's a dark side to New Zealand culture. We don't know how to be celebrated. We don't know how to be honoured. We don't know how to be valued. We don't know how to shine. Oh man, just let God's anointing touch. We don't know how to shine. And we're being robbed of something that God honors you. And and theologians, biblical scholars look at this. How do you name that? Some people analyze all the things. But the best thing I've heard is they, they go back to this passage in Esther where there was an account where this 
uh, bad man who was trying to kill all the Jews and then this other guy rescues them and the, the king wants to, well, this is what this says. Haman entered, the king asked him, what should be done for the man the king delights to honour? Now Haman thought to himself, who is there that the king would rather honour than me? So he answered the king, for the, for the man the king delights to honour, have them bring a royal robe the king has worn and a horse the king has ridden, one with a royal crest place on its head. Then let the robe and the horse be entrusted to one of the king's most noble princes. Let them robe the man the king delights to honour and lead him on the horse throughout the cities, proclaiming before him, this is what is done for the man the king delights to honour. We have a culture and we have a religious tradition that says, I magnify God by being a worm. Could you imagine a king who delights to honour? And he's not just the king, he's the father. Man, I love to see my kids shine. I love to see my grandkids shine. I don't want them feeling put down. I don't want them feeling ashamed. And I feel like, I'll leave them. I feel like this is a dimension of the gospel that's really hard for New Zealand to hear. You need to reappraise yourself this morning that you are incredibly valuable to God. How valuable? This valuable that He gave His Son for you. that you're worthy of being treated with respect. That you are important to God. That you're significant. That He loves you. That He believes in you. That He embraces you with compassion. But then He puts you up on a pedestal and goes, look at my kid. Aren't they incredible? I'm just going to pray. But I, um, on this kind of Easter Saturday, God is, God is a God of honor. And I just invite you for a minute, maybe just to, just to ponder, where do you need, where have the price tags got mixed up? Where do you need to readjust? Your kids, marriage, God, your character. Ah, oh, the world might say you're not much of a success, but God goes, but I know the choices you've made to do the right thing. I know what you've invested. I know what you've sacrificed for your family, for your kids. I know when you've made hard decisions that have cost you promotions or closing deals. And I, and I honor you. And maybe you need to reappraise your own sense of value. Maybe I don't know if we can get the worship team out and lead, just lead us in a song. But I, I want to invite you, maybe you just want to sit there and let God just move the price tags around. 
show you how special you are, show you how valuable these parts. But again, we just love to create an opportunity as Sam said, if it's just we get the chance to do this, not just waiting a week and to pray. And so again, if you feel like, I don't know, you just feel like there's something of a shift in your heart and something needs to almost possibly even break to shift and take hold of something. Can I invite you as we sing, maybe again, come up the front and um, some, of, some of the team would love to pray with you and see something shift. If something needs to be broken and how you've felt about something and something move, where you're free to honour and you're free to be honoured. So if these guys lead us in a song, I invite you just reappraise. And if you'd like some people to stand with you, why don't you just come up the front and we'll pray with you as we do that.